0: Welcome to another edition of the Skyline Podcast. Today we have our champions interview with Seattle Dustin. Dustin, you joined the club of three-time champions. You joined Brandon in New York, and you joined JP in Baltimore. How does it feel to be a part of that club?
1: Uh, it's pretty surreal. Never, I, I remember back in like our first ten seasons or so, uh, just like what a struggle it was every single playoffs and. Uh, to like have three titles under my belt, four appearances. Uh it's pretty awesome. And, I mean uh, it, I feel like yeah. I Sorry, feel like right. there's still some room for this team to add maybe another one or two before this runs over.
0: I mean in, in, in the two thousands you were the you were the D Rich of the West. The the just oh, the team dude, that always to... that, that always had a regular <laughs> season success, just could never make it out of the out of the playoffs. We
1: talked about it frequently. Uh And so, like, I definitely feel for D. Rich. uh, I'm, like, disappointed every time he gets kicked out uh, because I know how much that sucks. But it'll turn around. uh, That's why you just got to just keep fighting. Like, just like Amin, man. I I told Amin, like, dude, you you deserve to win. Like, he's had that team right at the top for a long time, too. And uh, unfortunately, only one team gets to take home the cup. So... Just fortunate it was me.
0: So there's there's still one more year in this decade. Um, but the Mariners have already made it four times. No other team can can match that. Um is, is it fair to say that the Seattle Mariners are the team of the 2010s?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you know the first half, California was obviously the dominant team. Uh and then kind of in the middle, Baltimore kind of took that crown and then maybe uh Maybe Seattle's kind of got like the last, you know, third of the decade here, but yeah, like the whole, you know, the whole decade as a, as a total, um, I, I haven't really thought about that before, but yeah, I guess that you'd have to say it's uh, been Seattle's decade.
0: And, and if it is Seattle's decade, the, it starts and ends with, with Mr. Arturo Alvarado. Um I we, we cannot say enough good things about him. He's about to win his sixth Pitcher of the Year award in total, third of the decade, third since twenty fifteen. Um I mean he's he won it in he won it in fifteen, he won it in seventeen, he's gonna win it this year. Um and the only year he lost it was twenty sixteen to, to Andrew De La Cruz and he still led the league in strikeouts. He's closing out on four thousand strikeouts, he's closing in on Arturo Aguilar's wins record at two seventy-seven. And he's closing in on Muggsy's war record. In in your mind, is there a better pitcher in Sky history than Alvarado?
1: Well, there's definitely an argument. Uh, You know, we've all talked about this quite a bit the last few seasons. Uh, You know, there's four or five guys kind of in that best ever category. uh, And they're all going to have one or two things that kind of separate them from the pack. Uh, But I do hope that when Alvarado retires, he'll have the wins record. He's got the K's record already. Uh, He's going to have the war record. So, I mean, he's obviously making a pretty good case uh, to be the best ever. And I've literally built my entire franchise around him from the very beginning. Like uh, my, I budgeted to be able to afford him back. (laughs) I made sure I had room in the budget to resign him. Uh, and just like you had to do uh, with your favorite pitcher uh, and just, like, keeping him to the very end. Like, I want to do the same thing with Alvarado and basically just make sure that he's a mariner for life, uh, even if, like, that kind of looks bad that last year or two.
0: We, uh, yeah, we, uh, we we saw what the shell of Arturo Aguilar looks like. It wasn't great. Um, but at least with you, from, from the looks of it, you will still have five confident starters by the time Alvarado does decide to hang it up. Because what frustrates everyone um, is that even when you do have Alvarado, we, you could take him out, look at your organization, and still see five 75-plus potential guys in either the high minors or the majors between Berwanger, Diaz, Perizek, Pinsent, and Tovar. All front-of-the-line guys. And that doesn't even include Alvarado. Who out of that bunch are you most excited for?
1: Well, Diaz is the best, but his injuries, I think, are going to prevent him from ever being, like, an elite guy. I mean, he was hurt for half the year this year. Uh, He was hurt quite a bit in the minors. So I'm kind of hesitant with him to, like, sign him to a big deal because – really don't know what what his injury situation is gonna look like long term but so aside from him you know like the other Tovar, Pinsent, Prizek, Beringer, it's uh, kind of a toss-up. Like I mean Tovar to me, I feel like he should be the best, but his movement is a little bit lower and gave up a ton of home runs this year. Um and then Pinsent and Perizic both have control issues, and then Burwanger still really only has two pitches, with that third pitch being at fifty right now, and so he's, to me at least, like a borderline starter. Uh, to the point where I've like actually considered moving him into the bullpen next year, since uh, I'll be losing Dorita probably.
0: Um, I mean, you you look at Burrowinger and Dorita, and you can see the the comparisons there.
1: Yeah. Yep. Rita had the same thing. He just had that 50 changeup, and it never got beyond that. And he ended up being obviously a lights out bullpen guy. So, you know, maybe uh, I move Berwanger there next year and have a very competent bullpen piece. And then hopefully that third pitch will develop and I can move him back to the rotation at some point.
0: So we, we all know about the rotation. It's the lineup that, that confounds me and I think confounds a lot of people. Because you look at the lineup, of course you've got Jose Galvez, one of the best hitters in baseball, at least when he's healthy. Second time in his career he's le- he's led uh, the West in WAR this year. He only did it in 566 plate appearances, so good on him. But you look at this, you look at the lineup, you you look at some of the names, and you're like Okita, okay, I, I know who that is. Espinoz, I've heard that. Rodeno, I've heard that. But you look at some of these other guys, Dave Chiotti. Travis Doherty, Mike Tarkini, Chris Jaquim. Th- those are not household names—and yet this is a team that finished second in the West in batting average and second in the West in batting war. Outside of Galvez, who do you have uh, the who do you have to credit the most uh, for getting you to where you are? Well,
1: Espinoza has been like super consistent for the last three years, and Remi-
0: reminds me a bit of sh- uh, what Shane Kinder did.
1: Yeah, I mean they're almost clones really like both of them are below average defensively but just super consistent hitters uh you know i've had them anywhere from like in the two hole to the five hole um and just kind of a rock in the lineup and doesn't get hurt and i've been able to play him at first left or right um and so uh, between him and galvez they've really been kind of my one-two punch and then You know, Okita was hurt quite a bit this year, but, you know, he's been pretty consistent over the last few years, too. But you're right, I haven't had uh, that one guy in the lineup that scares you. I think what I have had, though, is some depth. I've had a deeper lineup. I've had a few waiver wire guys hit, like Doherty was a waiver wire pickup halfway through the season. Uh, And played awesome for me I mean it hit 300 with nine bombs in only 50 games like uh, and then Tarkini had zero expectations of him being in the big leagues this year that was more of a move for next year but I wasn't getting anything from third base and I thought might as well just give it a shot and he had like a pretty crappy first first two weeks and then after that basically hit 300. Uh, the rest of the season and did pretty well in the playoffs. Uh, played solid D. Uh, so I'm pretty hopeful for his future. I, he's only 23 years old, too. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, I've just had some role players. I've tried to prioritize some defense, uh, at short and second base. That's why those guys kind of suck at with the bat, but, um, Yeah, just try to be balanced overall, and I I really don't have any huge hitting prospects to speak of, so I've had to just kind of plug and play a few guys just uh, and try and go with matchups, and uh, don't be afraid to try out some minor league guys here and there, and so far it's worked.
0: Looks like you've got a couple names coming up that at least OSA likes, Uh, Phil Nelson a potential first baseman depending on what happens with the corner outfield there um but nelson is is either first baseman dh and those are those are pretty easy to come by but again it it, it just all comes back to that pitching staff it's just so sexy i mean forget the starters but then you come back to Dorita Gill Gilly Julian lay Brett Vianney. i mean you' you're 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 flooded with pitching how how do you how do you come across all this pitching
1: well, almost all of my bullpen is homegrown. And I, I, I think I would have to say I probably draft. I mean, I haven't done any research, but I probably draft more pitchers than anybody, maybe outside of Amin. I know Amin is also very pitcher focused. Uh, but I'm pretty quick to move guys into the bullpen uh, that, I don't believe are going to be starters long-term and I guess that philosophy's worked pretty well for me. I've been able to take some like pretty mediocre starters and move them to the pen early in their career and get some pretty big uh, jumps on their potential. And, and so that's kind of been my philosophy, you know, like, uh, there's no point in forcing someone to be a starter if it ain't going to happen. And, just moving should, guys to should the bullpen.
0: Have, should have told that to jangles when he had akbar for all those years oh for sure
1: hell yeah like i remember seeing akbar and thinking like dude he'd be my closer right now like why why are you messing around with uh trying to make him a starter when he's not so and that's you know kind of my thought with burwanger too you know like he he, he kind of sucked as a starter in his little brief starting experience this year but he pitched well in the bullpen at the end of the season and did really well in Tacoma uh, as a starter. But, you know, like, so we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, generally, most of my bullpen guys were drafted as starters and then moved to the bullpen.
0: And, and then one, one, last, one last thing back on this lineup, because I mentioned him before Game 5 as my X Factor, and he paid off big time, especially with Galvez being hurt you say some good things about Dave Chiotti?
1: Yeah. uh, He's really had an up-and-down, I guess, he's still pretty young, but up-and-down career for me. He was my first-round draft pick uh, back in eleven, and I expected him to be a stud. Uh, But he kind of, like, rose somewhat slowly through my system. He always did well in AAA, but every time I brought him up, Uh, to the to the sky he was pretty mediocre and so there was a lot of back and forth for him he was riding the bus a lot between Seattle and Tacoma Um, but I had a couple injuries this year with Okita and Galvez Uh, Spangler at DH basically just sucked so I had a couple holes I finally just committed to giving him a shot I moved him into the two hole and when I moved him into the two hole He went from hitting like 220 to hitting over 300 for the rest of the year. Like it made a massive difference. And I don't know if it was just getting him up at the top of the lineup and having a little bit of protection behind him, having Galvez on base in front of him all the time. Uh, So that probably played a part. And then, you know, I I just wonder too, if there's like an out-of-the-park formula for some guys just having a crappy start to the career and then just taking off. In year three, you know, because you do see that in real life quite a bit, and I feel like that's happening with Ciotti. And cool thing uh, for me is he just got a pretty nice little bump in his ratings. I he now has seventy home run power, so I'm pretty excited to see what that looks like next year. Because I think he's only been at like fifty five or sixty for me in that home run power up to now. So pretty pumped about that.
0: Yeah, you know, we've got him at uh we've got him at 65. One of the nice things about him is that for a lefty, he doesn't have awful splits against left-handed pitching.
1: Oh yeah. Uh you can Yeah, I played him quite a bit against lefties this year just when I didn't really have any good platoon options uh due to injury or uh or just other matchup situations. So and uh I feel like that's kind of rare in our league for lefties. Like uh I feel like a lot of lefties Need to be platooned, uh, but he is one guy that you, I've been comfortable just leaving him in there. I mean, you look at
0: you look great, at, you look with at his some speed these...
1: of these stealing. That's a huge plus. Be able to keep him in the lineup.
0: Oh yeah, um, because he's he's competent in the field. Not not great by any stretch, but but good enough. Um, but yeah, like you look at some of these elite left-handed hitters, or at least on, on at face value. Some like Ernie Granados, who's seventy contact, seventy power, and yet you look at his splits he can't
1: hit lefties. Right. Yeah. And Okita has turned into that for me, um, which sucks because initially he was actually pretty good against lefties, but his ratings have dropped pretty significantly. So I'll probably have to platoon him next year. If he's still, uh, still on the squad, you know, I have given some thought to possibly dangling him out there on the trade wire. Um, but yeah, I'll have to probably platoon him. Maybe put Espinoza in at first base against lefties. Uh, so it is nice. And Ciardi, he may end up actually DHing next year. Um, but if I can commit one spot to DH instead of having some platoon at DH, that'd be a huge plus for me.
0: I mean, we see the E. We, we see you in uh in sky miners all the time so it, it it it's it's weird to say that you you with all this with all this winning going on in the minors that you that you're struggling to bring people up through the system
1: yeah i uh well like uh to to borrow herm edwards quote like you play to win the game and i have minor league teams and so they're going to win uh, <laughs> like i don't just treat them Like, uh, I don't ignore them. I I look at them every day, and I'm pretty intentional about where they're at and who's their coach and what their trajectory is. So I do spend a lot of time and energy on that. Uh, But I like – I'm scouring the waiver wire. Uh, I put a lot of money into scouting and development. I feel like I draft pretty well. Hard to say based you know, it's hard to hard to follow other systems closely, but I feel like in general I, I have tended to draft pretty well and um obviously it's paying off, you know, like between the last three or four seasons, you know, at least half of my teams are in the playoffs every
0: year. At at least, I believe one season you had a seven of eight, did you not?
1: Yeah, last season, uh I think I had every team except for Tacoma in, which it's pretty right. cool. Like, and I believe right.
0: that was because we beat you out. It was.
1: Yeah, by two, one, by, one or two games. Yeah, the, pretty
0: fair. 56 versus eighty-six and fifty-eight. Yep. Uh, beat you, beat you out by two games. It's. I'm. I'm glad I could at least do something to keep the Mariners out of the playoffs, even if it wasn't the <laughs> uh, the major league team. Well, uh, uh,
1: between Tacoma and Honolulu, I feel like we're alternating one, two every year. Which was funny, just because that was very similar in the Pacific for almost the last ten years until until Cal finally
0: kind of took a step back.
1: So I mean, it's it's
0: even crazier double A with with Arkansas and uh, and and um, Rocket City. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that
1: uh, you know the two of us obviously put a lot of time into this, and it does show when. Not only is your Sky Squad winning, but your minor league teams are consistently at the top too. And to have continued success, I mean, you you definitely have to have some depth in your minor leagues, and that's why I I focus on it because uh, I don't really want to have to rebuild. I kind of like winning, uh, and I'd like to keep this going for. It'd be pretty sweet to get twenty years in a row. Uh, so I'm at fifteen right now. Uh, I'd like to keep pushing that to 20. That'd be pretty sweet.
0: I mean, it's uh, it, it's nice that this isn't the uh, the Pacific of, say, 2009 where it's Seattle, California, Los Angeles, and then everyone else, with maybe Arizona or Las Vegas or Oakland having a good year, and they're here and there. I mean, this year, five teams, uh, six teams were fine for a playoff spot until Arizona fell off late, um, but Vegas had one of the best-run differentials in baseball. Los Angeles missed out on the playoff a game. They still had 90 wins. So there, there are six teams in, in the Pacific competing for a playoff spot. So it's not going to be easy.
1: Well, that competition, uh, at least for me, like pushes me to do better. Uh, Like it's definitely a reminder, like I need to spend time combing through my system, trying to get some trades to happen. Um, So that competition makes everybody better for sure. Uh, And I don't think there's too many guys in our division that are just cashing it in anymore. I think everyone's trying to win. Uh, there's a lot of young teams in the Pacific, so guys are trying to take advantage of that. And I'm sure next year is going to be more of the same of just uh, a ton of competition. Uh, I'm sure this offseason is just going to be another big one. But I won't be surprised if there's three totally new teams out of the Pacific next year, just because everything's that close.
0: Well, one of the things that, that has separated Seattle from the pack in years past is getting consistent uh production from the catching position. We saw it with Rodano for three years, then he fell off in seventeen. Had an unbelievable bounce back this season, not to mention John Palazzo doing really well in, in his uh backup role. Rodano slated for free agency. If he's gone, who's the next great catcher in in, Mar- in Mariner's lore?
1: Well, I think Rodano's gone. I just I can't bring myself to drop the kind of money that he wants. Um Especially with like some big contracts right around the corner um, with some of my pitching staff.
0: I mean, I see something like a John Palazzo Adam Davey platoon somehow being fantastic.
1: Yeah, so that's the plan right now. Uh, so, you know, I'm a little hesitant just because Davey struggled in AAA. Um, he didn't get a ton of time, but, but he's got huge power. Um, so if I can platoon him, uh, I, I think there's some potential there. Uh, and Palazzo should be good for another season of just facing lefties only. And then at least according to my scout, the guy that I got my eyeballs on is, uh, Devin Granger. He's in double a right now. Uh, but my scout sees him as a pretty legit prospect. um. With you know potential contact of fifty and potential home run power of sixty and great defense behind the plate, so that's kind of my short and long term plans at the moment. Um, I'll be
0: honest; I'll be surprised if he gets to that sixty power in two and a half years of pro ball. Five total home runs.
1: Yeah, uh, he has yet to find that stroke, uh, but. I'm just hoping he finds that hitting coach that uh, can figure it out for him and help him get over the hump.
0: Uh, but you're, you're right. Uh,
1: uh, it's slow to come for him.
0: So, so which, which ring has felt better, the first in 2010, uh, the second, which was the sweep, or the third, which sort of cements this uh, Seattle uh, franchise, dare I say, 10-year run as a dynasty? uh the first is the best i mean
1: shit dude uh i think we can all agree the first time's the best time um and that was just like so magical anyway like just starting out as a play-in game all the way to the championship Uh, i don't think i'll ever beat that but uh like these last two have been almost surprising like i i honestly didn't think I had a a World Series team uh, this year I, I I knew I'd be a playoff team but wasn't quite sure on the offense uh, but like we talked about earlier I think some of those role players just stepped up and kind of carried it um, and then obviously the pitching staff I mean I was essentially first in almost every pitching category so that I mean, completely carried this First team. in runs
0: against, first in starter ERA, first in bullpen ERA, first in fit, first in pitching more, first in strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, Not to mention first in hits allowed, first in opponent average, second in home runs allowed.
1: Yeah, so obviously, like, I am just completely writing my pitching staff. Uh, that's probably going to be the case again next year. Losing Dorita, but I do have a couple – young pieces uh, in AAA that I I hope can, they're not going to replace him because he's pretty awesome. But, you know, hopefully I can at least get close to some of that production. Um, And obviously I got the same starting staff coming back. So uh, still hopeful for another, uh, like pretty dominant pitching staff next year. And if I can just repeat what I did on offense, um, I should be, at least competing for another opportunity.
0: So, so much like Bermeo and, and, uh, and John Boren, when Alvarado retires, he will be eligible to become a a player, or a commissioner-turned-coach because he has that high leader and high work ethic. Would you turn him into a coach? And if so, would you make him a manager in your minor league system or, dare I say, of the major league uh, squad once Mooney retires?
1: Well, I would love for him to be a coach. Uh, hopefully I can start him in the minor leagues because um, and i I don't know I'd have to see what his profile looks like as a coach. Uh, I actually have not ever turned a player into a coach, so that's actually a new thing for me to kind of play around with um, and i I would venture to guess there's not a lot of dudes in the league that even know how to do that so maybe you could uh give us it's, a quick it, tutorial
0: it, it's, it's just a uh i believe it's it's uh, written out in the rule books players have to meet a certain criteria um of personality traits and then it's just a matter of putting something in the commissioner forum and uh and mike or i whoever does the sim just hits a button turns him into a coach okay
1: well obviously uh i'd love to keep him with seattle uh, until he's dead like uh the dude has shaped our franchise from the very beginning. And uh, it would be pretty sweet to have him on the staff. As far as my manager, uh, this may be Mooney Hens' last season, actually. I think uh, after this year, I'm going to promote my AAA guy. Eric, uh, Thornton. Eric Thornton? He's super young. Uh, he's excellent uh, development and good relationships. Of course he is. So I've kind of had him like waiting in the wings uh, for quite a while now. And uh, so hopefully uh, I get one more good season out of Mooneyhan. The frustrating thing with Mooney Hen is, apparent no shortstops like him. Like every season. <laughs> I try to sign a shortstop every year. And every single shortstop says I will not play for him. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't understand it, but I cannot sign a shortstop through free agency. They refuse to negotiate. So, weirdest thing I've ever seen.
0: Well, oh, if he's a, if your manager's anything like my old manager, my old Ruedas, former Colorado manager as well, he just retired. So it's uh, changing the guard here in California. We uh, we promoted a bench coach. we uh, we promoted a Triple A coach. New Times of the Pacific.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm one season behind you. I got, Mooney Hand's got one more, and then uh, I'll probably start making those changes.
0: I think, it's, I think it's safe to say no one else in Seattle history will be wearing number three in honor of Arturo Alvarado.
1: Yeah, he'll be my first retirement. Uh, you know, My philosophy on retired numbers is you have to be a Hall of Fame caliber player to get your number retired, and obviously he fits that bill. Um, but it'll be cool for him to be the first mariner with their jersey retired like he definitely deserves that honor.
0: I I know you're a small hall guy so I, I completely understand where you're coming from there with the, with the retired numbers.
1: Yeah, I I like the Hall of Fame should be special. Jersey retirement should be special. Um of course that's just my own opinion. I realize it's fun to do that kind of stuff, but I'd rather save it for the truly special guys.
0: You see Jose Galvez on that
1: uh, on that path? Yeah, I mean, if he can at least play three quarters of the season, <laughs> you know, for another four or five years, I, uh, he's going to have those numbers. I mean, he's just a complete player. I mean, hits for power, hits for average, on base, stolen base, plays good defense. Um, the the question truly will be just like with Trujillo, like. Can you stay healthy? Um, and I'm afraid that he will not. But uh, I'm just—I keep crossing my fingers every sim that I don't see his name on the injury report.
0: It, it was rough uh, commentating and seeing Galvez go down because we we know how much he means to the to the Seattle offense.
1: Yeah, and the really shitty thing is like I missed the first couple games of uh, the Sky series. And so then when I did pop on and I saw Galavez in center field, I just about shit myself. <laughs> uh, but luckily, man, the rest of the lineup, uh, like the, the offense exploded in the playoffs. Like we did not have that level of offense during the regular season. Um, and like, dude, it was just crazy seeing this team put up 10 runs a game, like consistently through the playoffs. Um, so that was pretty
0: fun. I mean, you lost between September 30th and November 2nd. Y'all went 13 and one.
1: Yeah. incredible. Uh, like the pitching just continued to do what the pitching has always done. Uh, when, when the offense took off, I mean, yeah, that was unreal. Right. I actually kind of felt bad <laughs> watching those games. Like, uh, cause I know how disheartening that can be when you're, just getting your ass kicked but uh but uh I'm not going to complain about winning so uh that was pretty fun.
0: All right, you got anything else to add? while you uh the floor is yours. Anything else you want to add? Uh
1: I'll just finish with this cuz a lot of, a lot of dudes just keep throwing out the I'm lucky uh and there is some luck involved in this game for sure. But this team is good cuz I have always, always invested in scouting and development. And I have never strayed from that. I have always been either maxed out or close to it. And I am firmly in the belief that that has made the difference in just the level of consistency that I've had for all these, uh, you know, 15 straight seasons of making the playoffs. So, for those dudes that are trying to figure out how to do it, how to win, why, why am I able to do it and they can't, spend some money. <laughs> like, spend some money. Uh, and sometimes that hurts your player payroll, obviously. And I've had to make some super tough choices over the years. But I'd rather lose one or two players and develop five or six. Uh, and that's just kind of always been my philosophy. So I think if... If more guys did that, uh, I, I think they would see a huge difference in their minor league system, and then, obviously, when your minor league system's winning and producing, uh, that will affect your your sky squad, you know, within two or three seasons. So, takes a little patience, but that patience pays off.
0: One does not make fifteen consecutive postseasons on accident. there's luck in this game, and there's and then there's making fifteen straight postseasons. That that's that's not luck.
1: Yeah, and obviously it's been close a couple times, and I, you know, there I guess from the luck point of view, there was a couple seasons in there where the Pacific was down, kind of when my team was down, and I, it was just fortunate timing, Um, but yeah, just the consistency uh, over time, I I definitely attribute it to spending the money, um, not on one player in free agency, but trying to continually build my system from the ground up. So I would encourage other dudes to consider that as well.
0: All right, Dustin, we always appreciate when we have you on the pod. Uh, Maybe we'll have you on as our first four-time winner. How would that be? Well, I am
1: not going to stop trying to win, so uh, I would just count on it happening.
0: (laughs) All right, appreciate having you on, Dustin. Have a great night. All right, man, you too. Have a good one.